Hello and welcome to the Stumbling Through Scripture podcast. My name is Archie Catchpole. I'm a Bible nerd living in London and I'm super excited that you're here listening to this podcast. I also write the Stumbling Through Scripture blog, which this podcast is an extension of. You can find that blog on the link in the description or by searching Stumbling Through Scripture on Instagram and finding it through there. Give me a cheeky follow as well if you're there if you like. On today's show, we're looking at a fruitless tree figs Jesus off. So let's get started. Well, this is a passage that, to be completely honest, doesn't make that much sense if you read it just by itself. In fact, a number of people do try to read it just by itself and the conclusion that they come to is Jesus is some mad egomaniac who basically isn't worth following and he's prone to a temper, prone to a a hissy fit and they think, wow, if that's what Jesus is like, screw that, I'm going to go and, I don't know, play Xbox and have fun. Although I guess a lot of the ancient people haven't really had Xboxes to play, but there you go, They, they did the ancient equivalent of not following Jesus and playing their Xbox instead. What I tried to do in the blog post was to show how this story fits into the whole story of Scripture. I started with um, the Abrahamic covenant. So in Genesis 12, um, verses 1 to 3, God calls Abraham uh, and he says to him, uh, Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you so that you can bless everyone else basically and so here we have God he's calling Abraham and he's saying that out of you Abraham I'm gonna make my people uh, God's people and through you I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna use you to bless the whole world and so here we have again just a repeat of this job this task that humanity has which is to get along with each other to get along with creation and to worship God and bless the whole world we just have a repeat of that but in kind of this Abrahamic covenant in different terms and so if you know anything about the history of the Israelites if you've read any of the Old Testament what you'll know is that they just absolutely suck at doing this they suck at blessing other people and as a result they kind of just suck at being blessed by God and so God he raises up certain people who will speak for him who will lead Israel into a better way of being God's people Um, and he'll also raise up people who will speak for him and warn them of judgment and in the blog post I mentioned what I referenced a whole load of passages um, where God's judgment is spoken of in terms of fig trees. There's a couple of them in particular. I think it's Micah 7, 1 and I think it's like Jeremiah 8, 11 where like the prophets specifically say, oh, I'm looking for figs, but Israel, you've got no figs, your tree's withered. It's basically God's way of saying, you messed up. You're meant to bless the whole world and you're not. And so I'm going to basically, if you don't clean up your act, I'm going to bring judgment upon you and I'm going to kind of close down what we've got going on. I'm going to shut down this agreement, basically. I'm just not going to bless you anymore. And so how that fits in with Jesus cursing the fig tree is that it's finally, it's got to breaking point. It's got to tipping point again and again and again. God has reminded his people, Israel, you are meant to bless the whole world. And if you don't bless the whole world, then I'm not going to bless you. And again and again and again, they fail at keeping their end of the bargain. And so finally, 
we have Jesus. He comes, he enters into Jerusalem and he's been ministering in and around Jerusalem for like three years. He, this is like the climax of Jesus' ministry, by the way. Like this is what is about to happen. What we're about to read about next week is what gets Jesus killed. And so... I mean, if this is if this is what gets Jesus killed, if this is this cursing of the fig trees, this is related to what gets Jesus killed in the end. What finally uh, makes the Jewish leaders decide they're going to destroy him, then we've got to kind of notice and pay attention to what's going on. And so Jesus, he's entered Jerusalem on the donkey, he's had a look around the temple and he's decided, yeah, enough is enough. This is time for me to ultimately bring God's final word of judgment, of reckoning. And the way that Jesus does it is what we read here in verses 12 to 14. He doesn't declare it. He doesn't say it. In fact, he acts it out in this dramatic um, miracle, this miracle that's a parable. And we understand what is going on better with this fig tree when we read onwards. And that's kind of for the coming weeks. But basically what Jesus is saying is that you Jewish leaders, you, you Jewish people, Israel, you have messed up to the final degree and enough is enough may no one ever eat fruit from you again that's where i left it with the blog and i think that's where i'm going to leave it with the recap now because actually if we were going to carry on talking we'd have to overlap into some of the other sessions and we'd be overlapping into next week's podcasts and blogs and we just don't want to do that because there's enough to talk about here in this podcast in verses 12 to 14 of their own and so yeah we're going to do that we're going to have a look at what else there is in this passage that helps us understand what's going on why Jesus has cursed this fig tree and what if anything this means for us to begin with I think Believe it or not, I think we have to talk about sandwiches. I know you might be thinking, well, that's really weird. It's not lunchtime. Maybe it's lunchtime when you're listening to it. Currently, it's 3.43 for me. I've had my lunch a while ago. Toast with Marmite on. Pretty nice. Um, a bit hungry now, though, so I might get some choco shreddies. Anyway, sandwiches. I don't know what kind of sandwiches you like, but Mark, the gospel writer, um, he loved his own special kind of sandwiches, and we see them littered throughout his gospel, what scholars call Markin sandwiches, and there's a, there's a fancier name for it, I'm sure. But basically, when people are talking about the cursing of the fig tree, they pretty much always talk about Markin sandwiches, because this is just the perfect example of what a Markin sandwich is. And so now you're probably thinking, as I've been saying that, well, okay, what is actually a Markin sandwich? And so a Mark and Sandwich, what Mark likes to do is he likes to get two stories that you would think at a glance were not too related to each other. They didn't have much to do with each other. So we've got the cursing of the fig tree. Jesus and his disciples walk past it. Jesus doesn't get the fruit. He curses it. They walk past it again. And Peter's like, whoa, Jesus, you actually did curse it. And then we've got the cleansing of the temple where Jesus goes in and he does his temple riot thing. If you had just heard those two stories separately, you wouldn't necessarily think that they were linked together, except Mark makes them into a sandwich. And so the bread, he's got the first half of the cursing of the fig tree. And then for the filling, he's got 
the cleansing of the temple, and then for the top layer of bread, he's got the lesson from the withered fig tree, the second half, the conclusion of the fig tree story. And what Mark tries to do with these sandwiches, what he's doing is he's saying these two events, these two stories that you didn't think were related, actually can be used to help interpret and inform and understand each other. And so what we've got here, the Mark and Sandwich shows us that the fig tree is related to Jesus' cleansing of the temple, and Jesus' cleansing of the temple is related to the fig tree. So Jesus cleanses the temple to bring judgment. It's an act of judgment. The fig tree, again, why does Jesus curse it? Well, because of what we see happening and taking place in the temple. They kind of help to explain each other. They help bring light, shed new light on each other. And so that's one of the things that actually I didn't mention in the blog, um, which I could have done, but I thought, well, actually, everyone mentions Mark and Sandwiches. They're just a bit cliche. They're tired. They're oversold. Um, I, don't, I just don't really feel the need to mention them because actually you can understand this story um, as Jesus bringing judgment on Israel and Israel's leaders without having to have a sandwich. But it is a really interesting literary technique. It's amazing what Mark does with it to just bring out rich, deep, hidden layers of meaning in his gospel. And so now that you know what a Mark and sandwich is, maybe you can go off and, and you can be reading Mark's gospel and you can look out for Mark and sandwiches next time you're reading. Maybe that can help you with your engagement with the biblical text. One of the other things which I didn't actually mention in the blog post, but I definitely could have because people love to mention it, is the fact that Jesus um, sees the fig tree in a distance and he sees it in leaf. And he went to see whether he'd find anything on it. And then later, Mark says, but it wasn't the season for figs. And so people like get this confused with some sort of horticulture like gardening lesson and they think well hang on Mark you're trying to teach us about trees and what's going on with trees and you're telling us how trees work but you're just confused and you get it wrong because the thing is Mark says that it wasn't the season for figs but if a tree is in leaf then that means that actually there are going to be things growing on it apparently that's what I'm told um, I just got that from biblical commentators and let's be honest I don't really know if biblical commentators are the best gardeners in the world I don't know but people are like hang on there's a slight contradiction here there is actually believe it or not quite an easy explanation to it and it is that fig trees have got two harvests so fig trees they come into leaf around about kind of end of spring start of summer and that's for their first harvest and that would have been the kind of time where Jesus was looking for fig trees, um, looking for leaves on the fig tree. And then you've got a second harvest, which is like the proper fig tree harvest. Um, and that's like the end of summer, early autumn. Does that come after summer? Yeah, early autumn. So like end of summer, early autumn, that's when the proper big figs come into the trees. But in the first harvest there actually should be something growing on the trees which you can actually eat. In Hebrew, they're called pagim. Um, they're also could be called in English nopes. 
I don't really know what a nope is. Apparently they're green, they're small, you can eat them, but they don't taste very nice. And so actually, Jesus wasn't mistaken in going up to the tree, seeing it in leaf, expecting to get some food from it. He just was going up to it, expecting to get these small, like, pagim nopes, uh, which wouldn't have tasted very nice anyway. So let's be honest, one way of reading this story is that actually the tree's done Jesus a favour because these nope things don't taste very nice and they don't have any, so Jesus doesn't have to eat them. So, well, hey, go Jesus. He's spared a, a not very nice meal. But yeah, basically, fig trees have got two harvests. So it wasn't the season for figs, that's true, but it was the season for these, like, pagim nope things, but the tree still failed and didn't have any on. Pretty rubbish tree, I guess. So we've seen that Jesus curses this fig tree because of a promise that God made to Abraham thousands of years before Jesus was born. We've seen that Mark is using a sandwich technique to bring out extra meaning of this story and we will look at that in more detail what this extra meaning is in the coming weeks because we're only at the first layer of the sandwich so we've still got the filling and the top layer to get through don't worry we've looked at the pagin the harvest the different harvest times for the fruits just before we close i'd love to just kind of try and say a little word about what this all means for us today and a lot of people, when they read this story, when I hear sermons based on this kind of the cursing of the fig tree, oftentimes what people try and do is they try and say, ah, oh, this was a, a tree that should have been bearing fruit, but it wasn't, and so it was cursed. And they try and say, ah, oh, well, you as a Christian, you should be bearing fruit, but you're not. And so be careful because you're going to get cursed. And they try and identify different people, different churches, different types of Christians, different people in society, all sorts of different things as the fig tree. And they say, you are the fig tree, you will be cursed if you don't produce fruit. If I can be completely honest, and I will be completely honest because it's my podcast, and I guess I can be, that just just makes me so uncomfortable. Um just so uncomfortable that they're just ripping this verse this story out of its original biblical context and using it to like lambast to like slander groups of people and i think yeah okay like it's really it's absolutely true that as christians our faith should lead to good deeds we see this throughout jesus teaching we see this throughout the whole of the whole of scripture says that our faith should result in positive works that's true jesus even talks about he says like you recognize a tree by its fruit if it's a good tree it bears good fruit if it's a bad tree it bears bad fruit but the thing is and and what gets me just so uncomfortable about it is that that's completely not the point of this miracle that's not the point of this parable that jesus is telling the reason that jesus curses the fig tree is to announce judgment on Israel to call an end time out finally like not even time out game over on Israel and saying God has had enough he's promised all of this stuff to you he's promised to bless you and 
you've just messed up, you've not held up your end of the bargain, you've you've just failed as covenant partners with God, and so he's going to like basically terminate that old covenant that they've got and start something new. And that is the gospel. The gospel is that we have never, ever, ever been good enough to earn our salvation, and so God has had to act for us on our behalf to save us. And he does this through Jesus, a man, also God. He dies for us on the cross for our sins. And in death, he he bears the punishment of the sin. He takes the power of the sin fully onto himself and he drags it into the grave with him. So that sin, death, all of that crap stuff, an end is put to it. And then he's raised again on the third day into new, glorious, fantastic life. And anyone who believes in Jesus, calls on his name, will be saved. And so what happens is this new people of God is instituted. There's this new temple, the old temple. The temple, by the way, was where God's presence was. The old temple is basically done away with. And there's this new temple, Jesus, Jesus' body, which is the presence of God. And so this cursing of the fig tree, it really, like, when using it as a proof text to, like, shout at people who aren't being good enough Christians, what you're doing is you just, you just rip all of its power out of it. Because really, this, this fig tree cursing is like the precursor to the defining event of the Christian faith. But all that we use it for is to say, oh, sorry, mate, you're being a bit of a rubbish Christian. Clean up your act or else bad things are going to happen. Really just think the application of this passage is to believe in the gospel. It, yeah, be a better Christian, be more loving, all of that stuff. But if you want to apply this passage to yourself today, apply it by carrying on reading through that text and seeing what the the gospel is, who this new people of God are. That's, for me, that's, that's the most important meaning and the most important application of this passage. But hey, there we go. Uh, time, I think, is coming to a close. Thank you everyone so much for listening. It's been really fantastic imagining that I've been talking to you. I hope that you've learned some stuff. I hope that you've been encouraged. I hope that, yeah, you've you've been inspired to have a look at the scriptures again for yourself. Um, please do leave any comments, questions on my Instagram, on my blog. Uh, follow the Instagram, share it with your friends, your churches, your youth groups, anyone who you think would benefit from it. And yeah, thank you guys all so much for your support. Until next time, Stumble with care.